He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. Before a bridge keeper now, about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 96 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson, and as always, I'm joined by Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey, Barry. Hey, James. What's up? How's it going? Good. Uh, before we start, uh, did you get to watch the Super Bowl at the weekend? Got a little bit of the first quarter and a bit in, and then realised that if I went for the whole thing, I'd be uh, dead for the whole week, so I left it at the exciting point when the Panthers were kind of kick, getting back into it and woke up to be quite surprised by the results and um, the way the game was flowing when I left it but uh, hey that's sport isn't it yeah well I was disappointed a San Diego Chargers fan did not want to see the uh, Denver Broncos who are in our division win it but anyway begrudgingly I suppose uh, congratulations to them their, their early defence in the game was phenomenal I mean and the pan- forcing the Panthers into some crazy kind of plays to just try to overcome how good the defence was so uh, you know offence is not always uh, the thing that'll get done you know. I know this isn't an NFL podcast no. but for 30 seconds at the start sure. I think we should uh, actually to be fair to the Denver Broncos uh, their defence was phenomenal the previous game in the championship match against the Patriots I've never seen Tom Brady look so poor. Mm. Um, so, you know, they say defences win uh, win Super Bowls, and it certainly seems to be that this year. Um, let's move it back on to, to golf, which is what we're all here to do. If anybody wants to get in contact with us, our Twitter handle is at podcastgts, at podcastgts, and the email is a goodtalkspoiled at gmail.com. While we're on Twitter, actually, may as well jump into this. Uh, your contact today from... Derek King down in uh, Australia. He's going to play a pro-am the LPGA in Adelaide, and he might get paired with Lydia Ko. Oh, nice! And he's also going to play Royal Adelaide the day before. So uh, he, you know, nice practice. You know, gets to play an LPGA um, pro-am. It's going to be pretty special. That will be. Uh, that's something so, like to play. Even you know, because we do a lot of the pro-ams, but like to play with that level of quality you know to play out with an LPGA yeah, player a worldwide touring pro versus a kind of a, a national level pro it's uh, it's pretty special and uh, to, to play a course in tip top tournament conditions is really really special so I've asked him to send us photos hopefully he does it'd be pretty cool if he does yeah and, definitely uh, yeah. If, and, if, and if you don't we still don't mind it's cool we're just very jealous and, and even if he, have a great week and if he tags that podcast GTS on photos that he puts up through his own Twitter that comes to us as mm-hmm. well doesn't it so, it does yeah so uh so hopefully it might keep us uh, informed. Um, no, that's great. Excited about that uh, for, for Derek. And uh, thanks a million for the uh, Twitter and emails at Podcast GTS. Oh, and a quick hark back to last week's talk about waterproof golf shoes. Um, Derek, uh, sorry, David Balby got in touch with us and said the Echo Gore-Tex ones are the best. So that, once again, proving Gore-Tex really are the leaders when it comes to waterproof stuff. Well, absolutely, and Echo seem to just be hmm. advancing so much. In fact, I've been toying with the idea, and I've been looking all week. Um, this isn't on our agenda, but um, I uh, had looked um, during the week at, at summer golf shoes, and I know we're probably still with the snow falling outside in Dublin here the, tonight. It's probably a bit adventurous to start thinking about spikeless summer golf shoes, but if anybody does have any or has played with them last season and can recommend a pair uh, at Podcast GTS... I did and still do. I spiked those golf shoes. Do you? Yeah. They're waterproof and they're phenomenal. They're the best golf shoes I've ever had. What golf shoes are you wearing? They're foot joys. They're foot joy blah blahs. <laughs> I can't remember I the name. I thought you were in the M Sport. No, they're not M Sport, no. I uh, didn't get those. Uh, I can't remember the name of them. They're foot joy blah blahs for now until I find out uh, later okay. on. Okay. Well, but you'll they, tweet it. They, yeah. uh, they've actually. I probably <coughs> should have just asked you. Then. In terms of stability, they are fantastic. They're really much, stab- much more stable base compared to previous golf shoes I had, um, which feels better in the swing. They have been really, really comfortable, and the grip is fantastic on them. And are you wearing them during the winter? All the time. Oh, I thought they were spiked. Anyway, yeah, there you go. And they're very good, so uh, fair play to foot join that. You I have, you learn, I have, people. I have, I liked, I had a pair of Echo shoes. The last pair of Echo shoes I had, the last time I wore them, I uh, had an unfortunate accident in them. 
Like is that slipped. when you slipped and fell and broke your leg? Slipped, yeah, popped my ankle, broke my leg. So I'm, I'm not sure whether I can go back. Mental scarring will it prevent yeah, me to go to back be to fair, Echo? We still find it funny. When I say <coughs> we, I mean your father and I, who were playing with you that day. Yeah, let's uh, not go into it. Bad memories, and it's actually, I think it's pretty much the what, three-year anniversary of it around. Well, talking anyway, talking no, about golf. Uh, you, we played this weekend. More tough conditions. A uh, mm. lot of lot of wind. Course is just playing. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, I know that's not necessarily the most strategic scientific comment. It's pretty accurate, though. It uh, it just annoys me when you you might be you know not that far less than a club length off the fairway, and even the times on the fairway, the only saving grace is on the fairway. You can see the top half of the ball off the fairway, even by just half a club length. You don't see the top half of the ball, and it's just sucked up and in a crater. It's it's just really really tough, and you know hitting shots where. You take the wind into consideration, you do everything right, and then the wind either doesn't move it, mm. or the wind dies, or something happens. Or you get some water so caught between the ball and the club face, or some grass gets caught between the club and the ball, the club face and the ball, and the ball doesn't take off the way you planned. It's really tough at the moment. It definitely is. And putting is not easy either, because the greens are soft, there's footprints, and the ball's not kind of traveling the line you expect it to. It's just, it's not, it's not easy. Well, to be fair, we tip our hat to your father who had the best of the day in the golf course last Saturday. Uh, 30, points. 30 points. after 12 holes. Yeah. Um, and I think we should probably mention, because he has mentioned it repeatedly, he has yet to not have a score on a hole in 2016 in six rounds, five rounds, six yeah, rounds, something like score, that. Yeah, stable for points. Hasn't, yeah, he scored stable for points at every hole so far in 2016. It won't last. <laughs> that's what I'll tell you. No, I might, we, we might forget to find his ball one day. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's good. So it looks it's good, good to get out, and we didn't get too wet with the no. rain. So, um, fingers crossed, the weather starts to take a change for the good, and the course mm. can take a few steps towards, yeah, I know, I know. I don't more, think more storms happening. coming. I, know, um, yeah. I think Imogen is currently passing across Ireland, and she can fuck off as quickly as possible. Quick question the other way, we've got all the storms pre named yeah. um, all the way to Z. Do they have a second alphabet of names ready to go? Because we're flying through them. Well, I assume that they worked on the basis that uh, you don't, get- don't need more than the 26th uh, over the course of a year but anyway we're waiting to see Um, last week on the PGA uh, sorry the LPGA Tour it was the uh, Coates Golf Championship presented by R&L Carriers in the Equestrian Club in Florida it was a 650 Sorry, 6,541 yard par 72. A little bit longer than the long par 5 of 600 yards. Yeah, I know, sorry. It's my eyes have gone tonight. Um, And uh, Hanna Yang um, won this and won it by a couple of shots. uh, Minus 11, just ahead of Brooke Henderson um, on minus 9. And then uh, Lydia Ko was back and tied third at minus 8. But... There's a couple of things, I suppose, Barry, I want to talk about with the LPGA Tour. And particularly, the first thing was, I suppose, congratulations to Miss Yang for for a superb win. And I um, have to say, her samurai sword celebration and fist pump on the 18th was just something to behold. And if uh, Top notch. I think, I think you might tweet it later, just for people, for yeah. ease, they can see it over at, uh, at Podcast GTS. But just a super way to finish. I think if I tried it, I'd probably hit myself in the head. Yeah. <laughs> Big, yeah, yeah. I um, do not practice it at full speed, folks. Definitely start slow and with not a putter, not metal. <laughs> and it's, don't do it on your on, on the 18th hole in front of a crowd on Captain's Day. <laughs> I'm probably not indoors for the first couple of hundred tries. No, it, it's something uh, it's to behold. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's something that you you know, especially, and I think. I was watching over um, over the weekend. They um, because of the Phoenix Open, and we'll come on to it at, at, at a, in a moment. James Hans Gandam style the, dance a couple yeah, of yeah, yeah. years ago on sixteen, and, and 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 just seeing somebody like Yang just bringing a bit of enthusiasm. Now she she's renowned for bringing enthusiasm to the game and to the ladies' game, and she's always smiling. She's always very up. But you know, you see kind of guys now. On the men's tour, both in Europe and in the US, and they never look now. I and I, I'm not putting this in the Jason Duffner category. I mean, like the regular tour players sure. that actually have you know some sort of emotion on their face. There's times that you 
don't see a huge amount. It's like, oh, I won. Oh, great. Now, where's my check? And I move to the next tournament. You look a bit stoic. Yeah, which I suppose is when you see Bubba Watson, you know, crying, mm. you know, at the Masters. That actually, all of a sudden, it's, it, it starts to mean a bit more. And maybe it's just that, you know, regular tour events don't mean as much anymore to, no. to tour players. But you just don't see that kind of exuberance that you saw from Yang I think this week. I think it's great. And golf as a game is constantly hunting for person, personality to come out of players. And to see that, that's awesome. Love it. Love to see more of it all the time. I guess, uh, kind of to address your point about, you know, the players not making a huge big deal out of a celebration or physically or emotionally making a deal out of a celebration when they've just won. Like, they spend the 72 holes, plus all practice time, plus everything in between, trying to keep their emotions in check. or Try not to let them go too high or too low and try to remain level. And to all of a sudden flip from that for your entire tournament week to... To turning on the emotions and letting it all out in one, literally in a split second. I think that's kind of a hard thing to do to transition from that kind of level playing, you know, calm inner, you know, well, sorry, calm outer. You know, everyone knows the inside's a little bit fluttery um, when you're coming down the stretch, but to kind of switch into instant acceleration mode, I think it's quite a hard thing to do. And, and maybe it doesn't kind of immediately dawn on them either, you know. I, I just think in. that, and maybe at podcast GTS, if people, you know, agree with me on this or not you can let us know but it's really just I suppose where you look at guys maybe 5 years ago 10 years ago 15 years ago like there there was a bit of a celebration there was hands in the air there was a bit of a you know there was hugs it, now it's kind of you know cap is off shaking the hand and it's kind of like I just yeah. I just I, it may just be this week that uh, Miss Yang's win has highlighted that actually we don't see that kind of character you know character and maybe the likes of, you know, your Duffners, your, your, your Matsyamas, your Danny Willits, you know, maybe it's, it's, you know, they're, they're now so embedded with confidence that actually they expect when they tee it up on Thursday to be mm-hmm. walking off the 1872 holes later, the winner, and that it's nearly they're more upset privately when they, they don't. The, the second aspect of, of the LPGA this week. You wouldn't mind seeing the odd Happy Gilmore kind of, uh, Running around the green, high five in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, well, like, not, I just not, think not, there's, not a, there's a definite, you know, middle ground. But yeah. I, I do definitely think that for a few guys who are having a, a long walk down the 18th with maybe a two or three shot lead, I think I'd be thinking, what will I do when I hold this pot for the win? <laughs> because in fair, actual, um, uh, there was a story. You can't allow those thoughts to come in. Like, what will I do when I hold this for the win? You have to remove the vic- we have to try as much as possible to remove the result from the execution of the shot and I know you've worked on that with with Mark no no I said that it's you know it's the, the shot is the only challenge and the only reward is a well executed shot the other reward and look you know when you have a putt for the win you know it's for the win but you try very hard to separate that from the swing thoughts that you need to put in play for it to execute a good shot well the interesting thing that you just said there about you know you know, one shot at a time and so on and so forth, which absolutely makes sense. But it reminded me of a story of Tiger Woods, who uh, used to always clean his golf shoes on the 18th tee box mm. when he knew that he was going to win because he wanted to make sure that his shoes looked clean. For when, when he knew he had a chance to win. Uh, but, you know, things mm. like that. Like, you know, in any event, it, it was just interesting. I think just with Yang, it was, it was, it was highlighted. Let's stay with the LPGA for the moment because mm-hmm. this was a very interesting story that I read over the last couple of days, which was Brooke Henderson, who's uh, the Canadian golfer, and, and I think she's 19, 18, 19, mm-hmm. and uh, she was second last week, but she's added somewhere around 25 yards to her drives over the course of the last uh, four days and, 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 and since last season. But interestingly, what she's gone and done is she's actually using a 48-inch, uh, 48-and-a-half-inch, I think, or something certainly close to it. 48. Uh, 48, which is exactly on the legal limit of the the rules mm-hmm. for the driver. And with that, she is getting 25 yards longer she thinks it's it's fantastic. She doesn't know why anybody else isn't doing it. It's on average about three inches longer than any of the men's drivers and about four for the ladies. Mm. Um, Just a little asterisk on her 25 yards longer than last season. She's only played two events this season for her driving average versus an entire season last year. So there's kind of different events, different conditions. Yeah, well, lots to take into, advan- into account. But she did say herself to Golf Channel, 
I'd easily hit it 10 yards longer with the driver and 15 if I hit a good one. She was playing with a 47 and a quarter inch shaft last year, so she's only gone up a little bit. Um, but so she's used to that length of shaft. But it's interesting that when we go and get fitted for drivers, mm. we've never had anybody say, would you like to try a longer driver, shorter driver? In fact, I read a, a, an article today from our friends down at Four Golf who were talking about a guy who was having a problem hitting it left off the tee. They actually shortened his driver down mm-hmm. so that he could hit it to the right and would take the left. The, the left out. He was off 11, had been off 5. So, you know, shaft length is something that we've never really discussed or never really thought about hugely in the past. And we have uh, the science of golf uh, mm-hmm. now taking place on the on the US tour, the amateur uh, Deshambo, who... Mm-hmm. Yeah. believes that all golf shafts should be the same length and, and that's his his belief. Well we all know that like the shorter the shaft is, the easier it is to, to control. There's less distance between your hands and the club head, so there's less margin less things can go wrong in that distance. So the longer the shaft is by that logic, the more difficult it is to hit straighter. Have so, you ever known somebody to not play the kind of the 45, 40 whatever drivers. Uh, drivers. Like I've never I've never known anybody who is I've heard stories in passing, but nobody really, nobody close to me, or no friends have had specifically a longer drive. And have you ever been asked, like when you went to get yeah. fitted, when you've gone to to buy a driver? You like it doesn't, but it's interesting, you know, because if this is something that can add distance, we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, all the technology and you know, Ping are coming out with new aerodynamics on drivers to try and get more speed and so on. When in fact, maybe what we should be doing is looking at. Taking the extra three inches on the on the the shaft and uh, seeing if that works, you, you, will, you will instantly get more club head speed. So no, it's it's just very interesting. It's something I've never heard of. I never saw. If mm. other people at Podcast GTS let us know if you so guys have play, one. yeah, um, have The um, the interesting thing is, I mean, how what kind of ratio? Like you know, you might get extra distance, but what's your dispersion rate like? How much wider do you go? Uh, how much worse are your bad misses? I definitely think you'd want to be taking it to the driving range and having a very good look at mm. the the range of the dispersion and so on. But it, it, it clearly is working for for Miss um, Henderson because again, it's a second place finish for her. It was not okay. She was two shots behind, but it wasn't that. More, I think it was uh, Miss Yang who won the tournament rather than uh, Henderson losing it. But it is something that I think you're going to have. A, I, I think a lot more people will start looking at it, you know. And it's it's interesting that yeah. this evolution is coming out of the LPGA tour rather than necessarily a bubber or a guy on on the a smaller guy or a guy. Say for instance, like a Graham McDowell who might feel he wants a little bit of extra distance might go. Actually, well, if I take the extra three three inches mm. on the shaft. Will that get me up to the guys uh, distance-wise? Yeah, and will my fairies and regulation only drop by 3 or 4% and I'm willing to take that sacrifice for the extra 10, 15 yards? Could be. It, just an interesting final point on this. The, the longer shaft of drivers is something that Brooke um, Henderson grew up with. Her, her father was a good player and he used to carry some 48-inch 40 inch shaft of drivers for scrambles. And she'd occasionally mess around with them in the scrambles when she was growing up. So I suppose it's always easy to... It's easy to feel comfortable with something that you've played with when you were growing up, you know, as a child. It's just, it's natural, it's fun. And um, I'm sure if we went to try a 48 inch driver, it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world. No, but yeah. then we all started with. Yeah. I know, know but shorter guys, you know. It's, we, uh, yeah, probably 45 you, centimeter you know, golf clubs when you're younger, but. Sure, look, uh, it's, it's something that we'll keep an eye on, and definitely if anybody has a. Longer than what I suppose is considered probably standard driver or any clubs, you might let us know at podcast GTS or a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. The European Tour finished the Desert Swing this week at the Omega Dubai Desert Classic in the Emirates Golf Club in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, 7,319 yard par 72. And uh, Danny Willett um, has done it again, winning his fourth. European tour title in some style and really it was some style towards the latter end of his round and um, not necessarily in the in the lead up but Danny Willett uh, was minus 19 one by one shot to Rafa Cabrera uh, 
Bello, uh, Andy Sullivan was also on minus 18. And then Alvira Quiroz and uh, Anne was down at minus 16 with Rory, who had a fairly on-off weekend, um, particularly with the putter, uh, but still finished sixth at minus 15. And there we go. Stenson at minus 15. B-game still contending. And that's well. Well, let's you start know. with Rory for the moment because I want to talk about Danny Willett in a little bit more detail, and, mm. and certainly Andy Sullivan. But Rory, there's a guy who you know loves the competition, loves just gets through to the weekend by the skin of his teeth by making the cut. Started with a sixty-eight seventy-two weekend of sixty-eight sixty-five. It is a remarkable achievement for the likes of Rory, the likes of. Uh, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, um, you know Jason Day, these guys, Tiger back in the day, Phil Mickelson, so many names you can. The greats of the game, mm-hmm. when they're having an off week, it's still a top ten. It's certainly top fifteen, and and their names applying pressure higher up the leaderboard above them, and possibly bringing those guys back to them. Well, I, I think that Rory all of a sudden, like he posted the clubhouse lead uh, mm. at minus fifteen. You know, he certainly didn't look like that. And okay, he he went pin seeking. And there's something that the more I watch about Rory, the more I believe that actually he needs to just go out on a Thursday and just pretend that he is ten shots behind mm. the leader and he's got four days. You know, he's or he's got one round to make it up because yeah. under pressure there was shots. And I'm, I'm just thinking of a couple of them, a couple on the par threes, tucked pins, water, bunkers, tough up and downs, penalties, you know, staring you in the face. And here's the guy, you know, and they're saying in the commentary, middle of the green's a good shot here. Middle of the green's a good shot. And he's he's stitching it, you know, yeah. two, three, four foot from the hole. But, and we it's, all know how amazing he is, like, he is to watch when he gets on those runs where he just, it just seems like every hole he's just knocking one in stone dead. And it's just phenomenal to watch. And you just wonder, how does he, I'd say he's wondering as well, like, how do I access that frame of mind, that zone that I get into? How do I access that more often? When, how do you put the Sunday rocket up his backside on a, <laughs> on a Thursday? Well put. Because that's, that's ultimately, because he had a weekend where he really wasn't, you know, looking at anywhere in contention. Mm. And all of a sudden, just ploughed along and played brilliantly. And, you know, it's a true remarkable situation to look at the guys like him who just have that knack of a bad week but still have a top 10. And it's why I suppose certainly the top three in the world are certainly pulling away from kind of fourth, fifth, sixth. Mm. Um, let's let's talk about uh, Danny Willett for the moment because I think he deserves to be talked about. He was minus 19, 70, 65, 65, 69. Didn't particularly play well on Sunday. You know, there was a lot of lower numbers there. Um, you know, didn't find as many fairways, didn't certainly seem comfortable. A lot of commentary was going on about, you know, he was making a lot of mistakes, leaving himself a lot of kind of tricky five, six-footers back for pars. But come at the the hour, come at the man, and and certainly Danny Willett, you know, stepped up. Andy Sullivan had put so much pressure on him by going into the clubhouse at minus 18. Mm -hmm. Tricky par five. um, Hits a superb drive, superb drive on, on it. Ends up, Willett. Yeah, hit a two, two goes. Well, they, they, you know, Cabrera, uh, Cabrera Bello hit his into the rough and actually came out of the rough and stayed on the fairway. Mm. And the comment before Danny Willett hit it was, if he hits the fairway, he's going to be off it. And mm. he was. And it probably, to a certain extent, may have helped him by taking away the option. Yes. Yeah. And lay it up. And he had put it in the, uh, he ran out of fairway, I think, on Saturday from a similar lie. Got a flyer, ended up too close, but gets up and down. Birdies the the seventy second hole, tricky downhill, you know. And he said he set that in at a good pace. There was like, a lot of there was there was conviction was a, to it. Yeah, it was a four or five footer coming back. We missed it, but it just it looked it was a confident stroke. The ball rolled beautifully in, and it was it was a seriously good birdie in the circumstances. Knowing I need to make a birdie, I need to hit a good wedge shot, a good putt, and finally pull off. Like there's confidence for. God knows how long. Yeah, and you, you look at uh, uh, Rafa Cabrera Bello, and he had an eagle opportunity just off the green, just off the green. Um, you know, very similar. If people didn't see it, very similar to where Tyra was 
a number of years ago when he won his Dubai mm. and held it to win it. And um, how close was Bayo in getting that? Oh my god! Well, it's gonna if he had. I think all of a sudden Danny Willett's uh, hole would have looked an awful lot smaller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's only the ball fits in there. Um, but it, it was a, a superb performance by a couple of guys, young lads, Danny Willett, Rafa, and Andy Sullivan, mm-hmm. who, if we look at the European Ryder Cup for a second, Barry, and this is really where I want to go with this conversation today, because people can look back in the tournament themselves, but I think this is actually more interesting to look at. Andy Sullivan, Danny Willett, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Thomas Peters, Chris Wood, you know, these guys... Olison, Olison, All young lads. Young lads. Mm. It may be that this isn't necessarily the team you'd ideally take. You know, if if for today the team at the moment going to the Ryder Cup would be Rory, Andy Sullivan, Danny Willett, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Henrik Stenson, Justin Rose, uh, Olsen, Thomas Peters and Chris Wood, they would be the uh, the nine automatics and then uh, mm. Dan, uh, Darren Clark has three picks but you look at that no Sergio Garcia there's no Victor Debrisa no Shane Lowry no Shane Lowry um, you know no Ian Poulter no Lee Westwood you know here's a bunch no of, Martin Keimer no Martin Keimer you know there's a group of people yeah. that all of a sudden you're saying hold on a second you know that's a generation maybe that's now starting to, to, mm. to not take a back seat because I think they'll always be there, but they're certainly being very much shunted by this new generation. And the thing is, these guys are popping up week after week after week. Does it, like, has anyone, can anyone remember a week when Andy Sullivan doesn't seem to be up there contending? Like, what a serious player he's well, turned into the last year. To put it in, in perspective, Danny Willett is now up to 13th in the world. And um, when I, when I read that the other day, I went, that couldn't be correct. Um, 13th in the world? Uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, 13th in the world. Um, we then have, you look further down, and you've got Andy Sullivan, 28th in the world. Ahead um, of Phil Mickelson. Ahead of Big Phil, yeah. Would, um, would you have ever thought that in his life he'd be ahead of Phil Mickelson in the world rankings? You know, there's, there's guys there, you know, we've got, at the moment, if we take, in terms of world rankings, Rory is second, Henrik Stenson is 5th, Justin Rose is 7th, Danny Willett is 13th, Sergio 16th, Shane Lowry 21st, uh, Paul Casey 27th, and then 28th is Andy Sullivan. Names, some there that everybody would recognise, others that you kind of go... And I think maybe for the American listeners who who might not follow the European tour quite as much, are going to see a lot of guys that they're going to not know come the Ryder Cup in yeah, September yeah. they might know a name but they might not be able to put a face to a name and they might have seen a clip of him once or twice it depends how in depth they go with their golf coverage in the States but certainly I think on paper right now you probably you have to have to, the US are playing at home of course but even given a neutral venue I'd say the US are probably favourites at the moment oh, I, I think I think that's that's fair enough I, I just think that this new crop mm. just you know Danny Willis you know he could have a real good season. Like this could be the springboard. We talked last week about uh, Brandon Grace talking about how that win last year and hopefully the win last week is going to kickstart again another superb season. This could kickstart Danny Willett. You know, heading off to to the majors. He's in the top twenty-five. He's in the top fifty. He's going to get all the WGCs. He's got all the the mm. majors. This is a guy who, as they talked about on Sunday, can now dictate his schedule for the next season. He can pick where he wants to play, where he doesn't want to play, and the field is now up to him. And it's great. I think it's brilliant for the game. It's brilliant for European golf to have the likes of Danny Willett, Andy Sullivan, you know, really fighting it out. Mm. And they're two, um, they're two great golfers to watch. Like they're real gritty, determined competitors on the course, but they both come across like awesome, really, really nice guys. Like Andy Sullivan is as happy-go-lucky as he could want. Did you see them play the... Uh, Dude Perfect did uh, play the golf hole. Um, you know, they do all those trick shots in different mm. sports. They play the golf hole, but you're not allowed to use any golf equipment. So they're using like a, f- a football, a rugby ball, a frisbee, and nerf. Anyway, they did a video there last week, and Andy Sullivan uh, was one of the four pros that did it. But he just comes across so well. Great personality and um, real happy-go-lucky guy. And just just seems to be loving life out there at the moment. And, um, you know, Willard as well. Seems like a pretty sane guy, but... Uh, 
God, in the heat of the battle, I wouldn't want to be facing them down. To put it in perspective of how relaxed Andy Sullivan was, walking down the 18th on Sunday, he was talking to his wife and his kids through the camera lens. <laughs> and he was still... He yeah, still yeah. had to finish out, you know, but he was... If there was ever a moment of a guy who was just playing golf and enjoying it, whatever happened, happened. Mm. Now, he stood up and he, he did very well. But the thing about it was that he was so relaxed and and, and interacting. It's, it's great to see it. Um, it's for, a bit, bit of Miguel Angel Jimenez kind of vibe going on. Yeah, and I, I think with you know when we talk about the top three in the world and their you know top three, top four gang, you know the likes of your Andy Sullivan, your Danny Willis, little little internal rivalries like that would be very good for the game as well. Where there's little pockets further down in the world rankings and mm. in in the European Tour. Let's ha- let's see what Danny Willett and Andy Sullivan can do over the next uh, couple of months. Um, just for the American listeners, because we've talked a lot about the European Tour, um, uh, Bryson DeChambeau finished tied 18th at uh, minus 12. Unfortunately, he doesn't get to pick up his 29,500 euros as he's an amateur until after the Masters, which Barry's only seven weeks away, um, just to give that a, a weekly update. It's scary fast, isn't it? It really is. But let's let's move over... Because I want to talk about another guy mm-hmm. who really has just come through. And uh, that's Matsuyama, who won the Waste Management in Phoenix. Um, won it in the playoff against Ricky Fowler. Uh, Ricky, you know, certainly emotional afterwards. And uh, it seems that he was emotional insofar as that his, his, his extended family were there who have never seen him win a tournament live rather than necessarily upset with himself that he hadn't won it. Because when I read it, I thought, why is he crying? It's only the Waste Management Open. Starting to sound a bit like Bubba, which we'll come on to in a second. But I was wondering why he was so upset. And then when I read the the transcript of it, it was clear that he was just upset about the idea that he wanted to win in front of his family. But let's talk about uh, Matsuyama, Japanese golfer. Superb player. Somebody who we've tipped up over the last number of years to win them a major breakthrough. Not quite there so far. He hasn't quite yet, has he? I mean, it's only a second tour event. And for somebody who seemed to get an awful lot of chat from an awful lot of very respected commentators on TV on both sides of the water, um, hadn't really fulfilled that potential until now. A lot of good finishes and almost wins. and Almost won at uh, Muirfield. Was it no? It was Muirfield was his first win. Uh, I would need to fact check myself on that, but certainly should, you would have expected him to have won again before now. But anyway, he's gone and got it done. You know these things don't always go to plan. And um, now I watched quite in, a lot of this in, over four days, in front of but I missed the playoff. So Barry, just for the listeners and and also for me, you might just give a quick outline. It was a four play. Four whole playoffs. Mm. They played the 18th uh, twice, then down to 10 and down to 17. I personally think they should just all go back to 16 and just keep playing it until oh, somebody gotcha. wins. Brilliant idea. Um, but just talk talk the listeners through what what happened on the playoff. What what ended up uh, giving Matsuyama the the, the victory here? Mm, well, we got to go back to regulation on 17 with Fowler. So. Um, I'm sure everybody knows by now Ricky went into the water on 17 in regulation um, off the tee it's a drivable par 4 uh, took a driver hit for all intents and purposes and it did look like a perfect shot he hit a was it a little cut with the driver pitched it a good 30 odd yards short of the green unfortunate for him caught a down slope shot forward ran like bounced most of the 30 yards to the green and then ran through the 50 odd yard 50 yard long green into the water at the back and that caught that made him you know gave him a bogey just super unlucky um i don't think there's a lot of people who were uh giving out that it's the wrong club choice but it's actually not an easy hole to play with irons or three wood and it's a very clever hole it's brilliant you know because it is drivable but they it really is a dry there's a bunker yeah. Earth. yeah yeah bunker right uh, water is 287 left water through the back as well the course actually wasn't running out that much this week it was playing they, they made some tweaks to this golf course that made it an awful lot tougher and didn't quite go down a whole lot too well with the players um, you know what's supposed to be 
big birdie fest, you know, makes the crowds, gets the crowds whooping and hollering, you'd have expected them to kind of want a winning score in around the 19-20 under par. But anyway, it was what it was. You play the, you play the courses in front of you on the given week and you just get on with it, you know. Um, so anyway, Fowler went into the water, made bogey, and um, listen, the lads all did well on 18 to, to post their scores. They both hold putts on 18 to get in on 14 under. Uh, first playoff hole, uh, Fowler gets up and down for par. Matsuyama uh, nudges a 25-foot putt to within tap-in distance for the par. They both make the par. Um, second time round, they both slot 15-footers for birdie. Two great wet shots, one after the other. Uh, that's on 18. They go back to 10. Fowler goes into the rough off the tee. Um, ends up making a good 12, 15-footer, I think, for his par. Matsuyama had a 5-footer to follow him in for par. So they then go to 17. And uh, Ricky downgrades from a driver to a three-wood. And unfortunately, he draws this one, overdraws it, and it goes into the water. Doesn't play the best of chip shots. Actually, both of them played little scoopy kind of chip shots. If you really looked at this, they both kind of got a little flippy with the hands at the bottom. And neither of their pitch shots got close. You know, they were both left with six, seven-footers, I guess. So um, Fowler missed his putt to... To make his par and giving Matsuyama two putts for the win from about seven, seven, eight foot, uh, which he duly took. So, um, I mean, it, it, I, it I is a good win by yeah, Matsuyama. Like, Brilliant. you know, it's, it, he, he did what he had to do. Mm. Ricky made, made a few mistakes a bit like, you know, the week before. And, you know, one mistake in a playoff, one mistake coming down the stretch can can be the difference between winning and losing these tournaments. You know, mm. I don't there's think so there's, many people. Do you think this, this Taking driver on seventeen in regulation is a mistake, or he's just super unlucky with what happened. Because if he pitch, if that goes five yards longer, or five yards shorter, doesn't catch that perfect part of that down slope, he's in business. I'm trying to think because I I watched it Thursday, Friday, and I watched it Saturday, and I'm trying to think he was short on seventeen for two out of the three days that I saw. I can't remember that the. One of the days, I don't think he um, was on the TV coverage because of the way mm. it, it came on. But he was short on he was short on the two days that I saw him play, and 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 that would be the question I'd ask: is why change your strategy on that particular day? You know, it isn't necessarily a seventeenth hole that you necessarily want to. Uh, you know, there is a lot of danger there. There's a lot of lot of lot of places. You know, the bunker front right. The water to the left. Look, it's not a wrong decision insofar as that's what he believed, and he hit a convicted shot. And okay, it's unlucky. It's unlucky. You'd question whether or not it was one hundred percent the right thing coming into into the last two holes. Um, it's risk and reward. But look, these players play to win. They don't play for mm. a second. They don't play for playoffs. They play to win. And he obviously thought on 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 the seventeenth tee box that that's what he needed to do to win it. And, yeah, you know, and, in the, and I like that. I like that approach to it as well. If he'd been told playing on the seventeenth tee box, you're going to need to finish one under these last two holes to win this tournament. Then you take driver on that hole all day long. You try to reach the green. It's a great opportunity to get even close to the green and into that bunker. Great, brilliant. Get up and down from there, and that's that's your that's your chance. That's your good chance for your birdie between the two holes. So, um, I just think that, uh, look, he's super unlucky. I don't think he's gonna take any. You know, it's gonna hurt and sting, but it's not gonna knock his confidence. Like he's yeah, I, I don't think it's gonna sting him too long. He's uh, you know he's he's no. he's right up there at uh, the top of the world. You know, it, again, yeah, it would be nice to get over the line, but I think it's nice to see Matsuyama as well get over the line. So mm-hmm. let's let's have a look further down the uh, the field for the moment because um, I don't think we can move on beyond this tournament without talking about Bubba and his comments. So for people who didn't hear them, so Bubba comes out, I think it was on Wednesday, Thursday, talks about the fact that really, you know, he's really only here at the Waste Management. It's not a tournament he particularly likes. Um, Probably a very honest uh, uh, comment (laughs) that in the media-driven world we don't always get from these guys. But, you know, whether he meant it or not, he comes out, he says he's really only there because three of his major sponsors ultimately want him to... uh, to be there 
there's, there's, there's a lot of backpedaling after that. Oh. There's a lot of booing taking place on the 16th. And rightly so. Like, I mean, there's, there's, there's towing the line or saying the right things in a, in a PR situation. And then, you know, everybody likes a bit of honesty. But, like, there's just going, he's going way too far. Like, moronic thing to do. And if, some, who was it said the other day? It, was, it might have been you actually said, his sponsors for the week should take his paycheck that he'd be getting that week and give it to local charities as a penalty for him being such a moron. Uh, yeah, look, Bob was one of those guys that I find hard to actually like on the mm. tour. You know, we've had the incidents in the past. Oh, the, the water between the, the, you know, the ball and the club face was the reason why he duck hooked it. You know, no, Bubba, that, that was you that did that. Mm-hmm. It was nothing to do with water. Pray for Ted, you know, pray for Ted Scott. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, you know, the caddy gets an awful lot of abuse from him. I, I I don't warm to him hugely at times. I don't. I, I like watching him occasionally just because of the sheer power and what he can do. But love his golf I'm, game. Yeah, don't like the guy. Yeah, yeah. A, a bit like Vijay Singh. Uh, you know, I I actually no, I didn't like his golf game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's been reversing faster than both. No, 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 no. I'll stand over that. Sorry, uh, Vijay at podcast GTS. Uh, if you if you have a complaint about that, but. Uh, look, he's backtracked. He's now said, you know, it's you know, it wasn't what he meant, and blah blah blah. Of course, it's what you meant, Bubba. That's exactly why you said it. You know, there's no spinning on this. You don't like the tournament. You're there, and I think it's probably an honest appraisal of what mm. a lot of players are thinking at times. They're going to golf courses. They don't like. They don't want to play. They're not interested. But they're there because their sponsors yeah. make them. And shut up! You're getting paid a lot of money by your sponsors to be there. So figure out a way to enjoy. There's some aspect of it that you do enjoy that makes the week a little bit palatable for the thousands you're earning that week. Yeah, you know? yeah. He's he's going to return next year. So uh, yeah. he's 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 uh, trying to mend it by saying that he uh, definitely will be there in 2017. Well, we'll watch that space. Um, Thirty thousand Bubba Booers around the sixteenth, and one one final um, chat, just very briefly. Barry is uh, kind of the the semi resurgence of Phil Mickelson. This is two weeks now. The drives are are getting a lot tighter, mm-hmm. less less dispersion. He's doing a lot of work. Obviously, as we know, he he, good. he broke away from Butch over the summer or or over the winter, I should say. And um, he's gone in a different direction. It certainly looks tighter. It mm-hmm. looks like a lot more compact. He seems to be really enjoying it. He seems to be talking himself up again. Is this great for the game to see Phil play at that level? Like he's, you know, okay, he finished, uh, he finished tied eleventh this week. Poor closing round, 71, where a lot of guys were down in the 68, 67, 66s, that kind of figure. Didn't quite get it done on Sunday. But leading up to that in last week as well, a lot of good positive signs. Yep. Slightly less errant uh, sure, drives, sure. which was great. Well, I, think, I think you're right. You need, you need somebody, somebody with Phil's talent and exuberance. And, and the things he does and the videos that end up being generated and, or you know, little clips of him being generated, they're far more relevant when he's a factor in the field rather than just faffing around making cuts or missing cuts you know and then showing a clip at the end of the go oh, here was a great shot Phil hit but he's not in the tournament mm. it's a little bit more relevant when Phil's hitting that, that shot when he's there thereabouts in the top 10 or top 15 of a tournament he's hit that amazing flop shot over a bunker to like two foot of green to a pin that's on a downslope all of a sudden that shot takes on extra significance in, in light of the situation he's in so uh, great to see him back uh, the swing looks great. It really does. And hopefully he tightens it up a bit and you can kind of maybe see him really, really contending one week. And then you're going to get to see where his game is really at and the swing is as well. If, if it's really locked in and yeah. solid. Like he's 45 now. So like, you know, he's not going to contend every week. Mm-hmm. We, we know that. Yeah. But for the game, for the enjoyment of watching it, you know, we really hope. And I think that he will. It will all click over the next couple of weeks. They move to the Florida swing, I think, mm. this, from this week on. And, you know, all of a sudden you could see maybe in the next week or two weeks actually see him break through and actually have another win, which, which might again kick, kick start what, uh, what happens over the, uh, the rest of the season. Listen, just speaking of good swings, I've got to just say at the moment, Ricky Fowler's swing looks absolutely sensational. It, it, it's so tight, you know, it's, uh, but again, you know, we've always lauded um, what Butch Harmon does we've mm-hmm. always said that we think the Tiger should go back to Butch because you look at what he's done with Ricky 
he's worked within the frame that Ricky has mm-hmm. and he's, he's, he's put together a really solid routine as well that, just, that takeaway is just fantastic took this awesome raw talent and was just given it like this great package to be in and it, it just looks like things can't really go wrong, too wrong with that swing like he's it's that's oh, brilliant to watch the moment I love, love well, watching they, they, they've it's, definitely built a swing and an engine that works now mm-hmm. it's just about you know putting it together over the course of the season but I think that there's no doubt in my mind that you know Ricky is very much a part of that top four. The big group, four, you know, whatever, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you could really talk about world golf with your Rory, your Jordan, your Jason without saying Ricky Fowler right now, which is a credit to him that he's he's taken that step up. And um, uh, I suppose just for 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 local uh, listeners in Ireland, uh, good week for Shane Lowry, tight sixth. Never quite got it going either. Kind of struggled a little bit. Flirted but, um, with the top higher echelons of the leaderboard and then had a bad run of holes to finish his, um, one of his, was it the third round or second or third round? So I'll pull it up here. Just had a bad stretch of holes that kind of took, knocked him out of contention. Um, so, no, I'm not quick enough on the computer here to figure no, out. No, it, it, the one know. thing about Shane was that actually at one stage during the middle of the afternoon on Sunday, he seemed to have fallen right back to kind of tight 16th tight but actually a lot of guys moved out of his way and he ended up moving up more because guys moved down than necessarily well with me when you finish himself, with five so. birdies in the last, you know, the last seven holes then um, you know that really helps shoot you up the leaderboard the one thing about Shane is he kind of he's a fun loving guy he's always got a big smile on his face the crowds really seem to warm to him this week and you know had the banter on 16, got booed for missing the green, and then on Sunday goes and knocks it on and holds a putt, and like with an early walk, puts the hands to the ear as if he's like, "Can you hear me?" You know, you know, or can you hear the crowd? And the, you know, they gave him, they gave him the, the I, ball. It's like I definitely think that Shane Lowry is that kind of guy who will just absolutely blossom in America. I think the crowds will just love oh, yeah. his sense of humor. You know, the way he plays the game, the beard, the size of him, you know, he's not, he's not your, your guy who's in the gym 24-7. I think that resonates a lot with a, a lot of golfers, uh, but particularly in the States, it's just kind of, you know, he's one of us. Yeah. Um, and also he's Irish and everybody in America loves the Irish, so that's always Exactly, good. yeah, no, he's, I think you're dead right. He's gonna do, uh, do well and we love seeing him up there and the more, more Shane on TV every week, the better it is for us because we all get to see that wonderful short game. Absolutely. Now, I was a little bit fast off the mark uh, in suggesting that they were moving to the Florida swing because, in fact, we'll start with the PGA Tour. The AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am is taking place this week in, uh, surprise, surprise, Pebble Beach Golf Links uh, in California. This is played over the three courses. It's Pebble Beach, Monterey Peninsula, and Spygrass Hills. And... This is this is usually renowned for the fact that this is where the likes of uh, your Bill Murray's all turn up and the super celebrities. You know, yeah. This is a proper famous pro am rather than, uh, than than for us, but it's good because this is where they do a bit of swing analysis on the on the holes. Oh, they, the amateurs, yeah, the amateurs. And um, their uh, usual bookmakers that we're talking about at the moment are currently playing paying seven places. So I'm going to put some of my uh, winnings at 50 to one with um, Alvira Quiros from last week into this. Jordan Spieth is nine to two. Jason Day nine to one. Dustin Johnson ten to one. Brand Snedeker who's just again having another superb tournament last week. Twelve to one. Jimmy Walker eighteen to one. Big Phil twenty to one. This might be the week that he might break through. So twenty to one for him. Bubba Watson and twenty to one, and then Justin Rose twenty five to one. It's a. It, it is a very enjoyable. Some people, and I know Bobby in the past has said that this isn't a tournament he particularly likes no. because of the amateur side of it. Mm. I kind of like the break mm-hmm. from you know we get basically fifty out of fifty two weeks of pros. So having one week where we can see a guy duff it, I'd like them to spread it a little bit more. Sometimes you find that because they pick certain groups, it's every fifteenth shot you see the guy, you yeah. know, every single time. But it is a bit of fun. It's it's a week that you can kind of kick back and have a have a bit of interest. It's, in a, it. it's a break from the norm, which is nice, it's kind of refreshing, and it is fun. Look, end of the day, it's a problem. There's charities involved, so it's a huge win, and we get to see one of the most beautiful golf courses in the world in Pebble Beach. So uh, I'm happy I was watching this tournament. When it comes to having a bet in this tournament, I have not a clue what to do. I don't think I will have a bet this week. It's just such a 
crapshoot as far as I'm concerned. You have to start matching up the days of the weather and what course they're playing. And you're taking into fact of three courses of form for guys. Do they like that? Will they get a really good score on Monterey Peninsula, which is the, the easier of the three? And, and you've, you've got... Or will you, they get Pebble Beach on a day with no wind, which can be absolutely torn apart then? And, and you've also got the fact that you may have a situation where the amateurs aren't particularly playing well. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, bring, if, if you're looking at some, you know, just in terms of going slightly deeper into it, uh, Jason Duffner is fifty to one. Uh, Danny Lee fifty-five to one. David Lingmurth fifty-five to one, and then you know Russell Knox seventy to one. Um, our own Irish uh, Paul Dunn one hundred and twenty-five to one. Um, Park Harrington one hundred and fifty to one. It really is probably one of those ones that you can kind of nearly take a pin. They are paying seven places. Yeah, that's that's pretty generous. It's a fifth of the odds, but. You know, you could probably go a bit deep into it and see how you get on. Just, yeah, throw a couple of blind darts at the board and see what sticks, maybe. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to sit down and enjoy this one this week. Looking over then in the European tour, we moved to the South African swing, and I'm now correct, we do move actually for once. And we're down at the Tishuan Open, um, and we're looking at Charles Swartzel, 11 to 2, George. Now, I always say it the other way, so I'm not going to say this one. Usually, I leave the betting to you, Barry. We got sent this one as well, didn't we? Could see it. Could see it. Yeah. Uh, 15 to 2. Um, uh, Jacko Van Zell, 16 to 1. Trevor Fisher, 20 to 1. Richard Stern, 25 to 1. Brandon Stone, uh, 25 to 1. David Horsey, 28 to 1. And uh, we kind of go out from there. And there's always a tendency here to find that in South Africa, South African players tend to have a fairly good run. So we said this a few weeks ago. We're going to stick with that. Um, when so in South Africa, back South Africans. And I think that's probably... This is one of these ones, though, that a local South African from the South African tour, the South African-Australian tour... Sometimes, Who knows this course. Yeah, just pulls through and, and kind of wins it. So this isn't one I'm going to have a bet on. I'm going to probably watch it and just enjoy it. Might have a look and see if there's any value in the market come kind of Saturday, Sunday, but I'm going to leave it to one side this week. And finally, leaving them uh, last this week, but that's of no disrespect to them, the LPGA is at the ISPS Honda Women's Australian Open in the Grange Golf Club in South Australia. It's a 6,741-yard par 73. I have no idea what the betting is because... We don't have it up on the system, but probably Lydia Coe's probably, you know, right up there. So we'll just make that up and say Lydia Coe, she's playing, is probably going to be uh, uh, one of the favourites. Um, in this, I usually go with uh, South Korean, I think we tend to go with. But uh, anyway, you'll find the odds on the internet and uh, good luck in, in it. Uh, Barry, are you going to have a bet on that? <laughs> Um, on fictional odds made up by James Richardson bookmakers I might ask for a second set of odds yeah, I think I'll go to go to odds checker for that one um, well look I suppose yeah. that brings us to you know the end of, uh, of this week's podcast and uh, just want to thank you guys uh, for listening if you want to get in contact with us again Twitter is at podcastgts the email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com enjoy the golf if you're playing it enjoy the golf if you're watching it Uh, from Barry and myself thanks a million for listening and we'll talk to you again next week (laughs) bye bye well you're fine bye bye